If you have a Bible with you this morning, or maybe you have uh, the copies that are there in the chairs, uh, please turn with me in your Bible uh, to page 899, 899. It's John. It's the Gospel of John, John chapter 12. The very words that we have just sung, all glory, laud, and honor, uh, is those words are reflective of this very onset of this week uh, in terms of Jesus' life. Uh, this is the last week of his life. It is largely uh, all focused in upon uh, Jerusalem. He'll either be in the city or around the city. And this is, you know, this is traditionally called his triumphant entry into Jerusalem uh, there with the onset of the various feasts going on in the city in the time of Israel, Passover's here at hand, and so on and so forth. And so he comes to Jerusalem, and this is his last week uh, before he dies, and he goes to Calvary's cross, and so on and so forth. And we read this familiar story about the, the crowd that is now gathered as he is uh, uh, parading into the city. This is John chapter 12, uh, beginning at verse 12. This is the word of God. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and, and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. And the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you're gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew. And Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come into this hour. I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. And others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. 
Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. Now, this is the reading of God's word, and let's uh, join together in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we turn to you now in your word, and we ask for your blessing in it. We pray that you would give us understanding and that you would teach us, and that, Father, you would, you would give us uh, that encouragement from your word to walk with you all of our days. Uh, be with us now. We thank you that your word, uh, the Bible, is indeed given by inspiration, that indeed we're called uh, to grow in Christ, and we grow in Christ by the truth. And so, Father, fill us and sanctify us now here with your truth. We ask now in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear congregation, with a story like this in front of us, we might not readily think of this, but I want you to think with me for a moment as if you're going to go into a mall, a place to shop, a place where you're observing various price tags. And maybe if you're younger today and you turn to your mom and say, Mom, I wonder what that dolly will cost. Uh, maybe you're a bit older and you're looking for that latest game. Uh, Dad, what's that game cost? Uh, I noticed on the internet a popular gift nowadays are these LED light uh, formed gloves. LED gloves now, glow-in-the-dark gloves, you know, the latest gift that you can get. Dad, Mom, what's the price of the gloves? I'm thinking now in terms of this, this is the thing we do every day or we do commonly. We go shopping and we look at price tags. You might not observe that immediately from this passage, but there's a price that is being held out to us about discipleship. There's a price that's on display. Uh, Christ is the Lord, and we're, to, and we're now being called from the passage to follow him, just like this parade of people, this large crowd that are gathered there in Jerusalem. At first, there's a price that they're interested in. There's a price that they're willing to pay in terms of following, and it's a price of praise. Hallelujah, Hosanna, blessed is uh, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're, and they're shouting these, these words of praise. But Christ is going to take that story of this parade and, while, and, and why he's coming in on this young, young donkey into Jerusalem there at the head of this last week of his life. And he's going to be talking about another price. So this morning, I want you to be thinking about that. The price that's on display, and it's God's design. This price that we're being called to submit to and indeed to pay. And it's a design for discipleship. We say we want to be followers of the Lord. We do. We want to be followers of the Lord. What's his design? Well, that design includes to look at the price tag. So two lessons. There's a price to pay, and it's a price of humility. And then secondly, a price of sacrifice. And Jesus is the one whom we follow. After all, he's the one coming into Jerusalem in this story. He's the one that's now inciting the people in that sense, calling forth the praise. He's the glorious king, and Jesus will tell us about this design. After all, we follow him, this design for discipleship. So the first lesson this morning here from the passage, uh, we're to be God-centered in this design for discipleship, and we're being called to humility. That's the point. We're being called to humility. Look at the opening scene once again, verse 12. Look at verse 12 here. The next day, the large crowd had come to the feast, and they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. 
And so they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the very king, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and he sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. The lesson here is humility. Is that on your mind when you think about the design for discipleship, the design of following the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, why do I focus in on this matter of humility? Yes, it is a great scene of triumph. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. We commonly call this Palm Sunday because, you see, all kinds of people have come out of the woodwork. And what have they done? They're reaching for these, these strips of palm branches and, 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 and uh, other, other features of palm trees. And that's to say they're waving them. We're told that they're waving them. Perhaps they're, they're falling to the ground. The palm branches are going down to the ground. We're, we're later told, maybe in Matthew or Luke, that people took off their coats and they're putting their coats down. It's almost like a red carpet, as we might say, is being presented for this king. So this crowd is rallying around Jesus. And Jesus, indeed, is the God of triumph. He's the God in the flesh who is the one who's triumphed. Now, why do I bring triumph out? It's not only because of this parade. These chapters, chapters 11 and chapter 12 here, 12, 11 and 12 in the Gospel of John, are critical chapters to see that our God has come, the very God of heaven and earth, now embodied in his Son, the very second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus. He's the God of all triumph. Why? Because back in chapter 11, he's just raised Lazarus from the dead. And, we're, and that story is even referenced here with the parade. Many had gathered out there because they knew he had done that sign. Lazarus, come forth. Here's the God of death. Here's the God of triumph. Here's the God of resurrection. Here's the God who conquers death and hell and judgment. Here's the king. This is Jesus. And so when he said, Lazarus, come forth, he's saying, death, come to me. You come to me, Lazarus. Death, I take you on. And that's what our Savior has done. The conquering king has taken death to himself, which is representative of our sin. Here is the conquering king, and he's now um, parading in this triumph. But along the way, there are those who are merely excited, merely enthusiastic. And so they're about praise. But there's a price tag to pay here, and it is the price tag of humility. And we start to get at this because Jesus will link in not only the palm branches, not only riding on this young donkey, not only himself being a king who's coming, who's just conquered death through the raising of Lazarus, but Jesus will start to get at that humility is involved in following this king because he's going to say that an hour has come. An hour has come. He says here, an hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. That's what he's saying. Look at verse um, 28. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from him, uh, from heaven. I've glorified it and I will glorify it again. But you see, in that context, his own soul is troubled about this. He knows what's coming. He knows it's his own cross there at Golgotha. And he's going to give himself for our sins. So he starts to introduce this concept that he must give up his own life. His soul is troubled. 
This is his own design for discipleship. Friends, this morning, that's where following Christ begins. It begins by going to Jesus himself, who himself humbled himself. Now, you know this, and I know this. Of ourselves, we cannot humble ourselves. Of ourselves, we cannot reduce ourselves. Of ourselves, we, we, we will continue to find some little square inch where we protect self. We guard self. Uh, we, we, would, we would relish guarding self. But Jesus says, now is the hour for me to be glorified. And then the Father concurs with that, the voice from heaven. I have glorified your name and I will glorify it again. He's going to the cross. He's getting rid of self. So right where you're seated this morning, if you're troubled in your heart saying, Lord, don't you know about my life? Don't you know about the burdens I bear? Uh, don't you know about how I do want to protect myself? I want to guard myself. I want to look to myself. Tell him that this morning. Tell him that that's your first nature, to be looking to yourself, protecting yourself, guarding yourself, upholding yourself. Because of ourselves, we cannot turn to Christ. And so this morning, God is gladly giving us the good news here in this story that to follow Jesus is to follow the very one who gave up himself. Father, the hour has come. And that's the language that the Gospel of John will use of trial, of his trouble. The hour will he, where indeed he serves the Lord by sacrificing himself at Calvary's cross there for our sins. Now certainly these people knew about a coming king. That's why they're gathered there in Jerusalem, right? They knew, they knew their Old Testaments. They knew about David, the Old Testament king, how David would be the one to triumph over the Philistines, Israel's enemies. David would be the one to bring the ark uh, there into Jerusalem, where it would be the place of God's special presence and reestablish worship. Uh, David would be the one to show honor and dignity and respect for others, even Saul, his enemy, where he, where he would creep up close to Saul, even cut off his robe, and yet not take his life, his enemy. Why? Because David is a man, as the Bible tells us, a man after God's own heart. They knew, Israel knew about the king, knew a king would come and be a deliverer. He would be Messiah. He would be the Son of Man. So they're caught up into these things. But did they know that this king and this kingdom is about humility? It was not about overthrowing Rome. It was about a king who would come and serve. And then we go back one more time to the palm branches and to the young donkey. The palm branches are representative that indeed, if there's going to be the creation, again, these palm branches of, uh, of the creation. If the creation is going to be a part of this kingdom, the creation must bow before this king. The palm branches must be placed down. The palm branches must be palms of praise. And Jesus is saying his kingdom is not a kingdom to overthrow a physical government, but it's a kingdom that bows down to this king and gets rid of self. This king is Lord of creation all things, even the waving of palm branches, even the voices of men and women and boys and girls. He is king and Lord over all. But also the young donkey. Notice Jesus doesn't come riding in on a stallion. He doesn't have all of his kingly regalia on, a crown and ornaments and ornamentation, and that which would, which would be brilliant and catching the eye with, with, the, with the glittering brilliance. 
This king is on a young don- a colt, a young donkey. It's a beast of burden. This is not the stallion for the military. This is not the stallion of royalty and regalia. This is that donkey of humility and of service, a humble mount. And so you have Christ who comes calling for humility. He is our conquering king, but he's the king who conquers our sin. He's the king who takes our lives and leads us into humility. So what's the price tag for you? Is there some area where you say, Lord, I'm willing to go this far. Oh, Father, I I, I know your jurisdiction is here. I know that you may have my hands, but not the heart. Uh, You may have uh, aspects of my employment, uh, but I'm not sure about other aspects of my finances. Lord, you may have my finances, but I'm not sure about other aspects of relationships. You see, Christ comes, and with the bowing down before this king, he says all of it, all of it is to be his. In humility to serve the king. That's the price. Are you willing to serve in humility to get rid of yourself and to follow him? Secondly, is to be self-sacrificial. This kingdom has a price tag to be sacrificial. This kingdom has a price tag to get rid of self for the sake of serving others to lift someone else up. Look what happens here in verse 20. In verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. And so these came to Philip who was, uh, who was from Bethsaida in, in Galilee and asked him, Sir, we wish to see, see Jesus. That's a common phrase, isn't it, folks? We wish to see Jesus. I understand that over in Europe there will be um, uh, scripture verses on a table or a piece of furniture that simply says, we wish to see Jesus in pulpit furniture, church furniture. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Look at verse 22. And Philip went and told Andrew. And Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Look at verse 25. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So not only is God's design for discipleship humility, Not only is the price tag humility to follow this king, it is also sacrifice. You have this language here of the price tag being sacrificial, is that when Jesus himself again says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, but then he tells this little short parable, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies... It remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You see how Jesus himself is connecting how he would glorify his Father, giving himself away at the cross. Father, not my will, but your will be done. He'd he'd be there at the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He'd be there at the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know, know not what they do. There at the cross, he would simply say, I thirst. 
There at the cross, he would tell that robber next to him, today you will see me in paradise. The point is, he gives himself away for others. He gives himself away unto God's glory. And he links it into this little parable that he would be glorified that indeed a grain of wheat falls into the ground, into the earth, and it's buried. It dies. And it says here, it dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is first the one in the parable. He's the one to be buried. He's the one to be crucified. He's the one to be in the tomb for the three days. And there to be in the ground as that seed buried. And he himself first buried, he dies. He's raised on the third day to bring with him much fruit, the harvest of salvation, the harvest of newness, the harness of a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. That's the harvest he brings. But Jesus is particularly pressing home that this design for discipleship is the price tag of self-sacrificial service for you. And that's why he then turns whoever loves his life loses it. But whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You're the seed. You're the small grain of seed of wheat. You are to be scattered in this earth. You're to go about your life in this earth and to be scattered. And then what? To be buried into the ground, to be placed into the earth. And as a seedling is placed there and the dirt is covered over it, it's buried. That's, that's the picture of death. And Jesus is now summoning us. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus is now commending to our hearts. If you love your life, you will lose your life. But if you hate your life in this sense, saying, Lord, not me, it's you. I'm here for you, not me. I'm here for you. Lord, you take my life. And you take my heart. And you squeeze every bit of my heart. You squeeze all of that sin out by your grace, by your mercy. And you take my life. And I'm here to serve you, O oh Lord. Put my life to death, Lord. I want that newness in Christ. I want to be buried with Jesus in the tomb. Romans chapter 6. I want to be raised with Jesus, glorified with Jesus, Ephesians chapter 2, brought back to new life in Christ, and thus to serve you and to bring you a reaping of eternal life, to reap eternal life. Is that your life this morning? So what is the price tag for you? Is it your schedule? Is it simply priorities about your schedule? Are there fears of death that you might carry inside your heart? Are there fears of the C word, cancer? Are there fears about what's around the corner in your life regarding employment or maintaining some sufficiency for gainful employment? Is there a hardship going on right now? Very difficult, very hard. You're not sure what to do. 
Are you going to the Lord with these things? Are you saying, Father, you've named me as a seedling. I'm your seedling. Place me into the ground. You dig that hole, O oh Father, and you cover me over with that dirt. For my life is a life to die. My life is a life to be buried, to die, that you then might bring the harvest. Tell the Lord where you're at this morning. Tell him of your wants, your longings, your desires, your fears, your cares, your burdens, all that indeed surround your life in that terms where, where of, the, of yourself you'd be ruined in your sin. You'd be lost in your own deceptive ways, misguided with mis, you know, mis, misorientation about your priorities. Jesus is saying, this is the ultimate. That's what he's talking about. Whoever loves his life, that means generally about your life, your whole orientation. Where is your orientation this morning? Christ is king. He's Lord. He comes parading into Jerusalem, and his kingdom is calling for humility, and it's calling for sacrifice. Come and follow this king. Will you die to self today? Practically, it means taking his word. And you put your name in those verses. Mark, if he loves his life, he loses it. You put your name in that verse. And if he hates his life, if he hates his life in this world, Mark will keep it, will possess it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Can you put your name in that verse this morning? How do you do that? By faith. That's the gift that God gives us. You abandon yourself. You abandon yourself and you turn to Christ by faith and say, Jesus, I want you. You're Lord. I'm here to be your servant. I close on the brief story of a missionary in Uganda. It's in the 1970s when Idi Amin uh, the very wicked and vile ruler of Uganda in those years uh, was in office. And the missionary, Kefa Simpagni is his name. Kefa had just preached an Easter sermon. And then there were soldiers who, after that worship service, followed him. They crept up on him closer and closer as he was heading back home. He got back to his house. He opened the front door. He steps inside the front door thinking there's safety. But then right away, there's a knock at the door. Those five, six soldiers enter the room, enter his house. And they are there to arrest him. They have guns pointed at him to make this arrest. He's a preacher of the gospel. And they're trying to silence the gospel. Kepha tells the story that he was asked if he had, had any words to say at that moment before these soldiers. And the story tells us here that he said, I was speechless. All I could do was my knees were knocking and my, my hands were, were moving, trembling. He was, he was speechless out of his own fear in that sense of what he was faced with. But he says here that he was able to utter these words. When they told him, your life is over, he interrupted them by saying, I know that. My life was over a long time ago, for I have died in Christ. 
and my life now is new in him. You don't have to tell me that my life is over. The gospel has told me my life is over. Is your life over? That is the price tag that Christ is calling you to today. To put away self and pursue Christ in humility, he went there before you, humbled himself to death, even death on the cross. To put away self and to die to self, even as he himself died to self, that in Jesus you might have new life all by faith. Is he yours this morning? That is your design for God's discipleship. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning, we need you. We need your triumph and grace and glorious purpose in our lives. We readily say, O oh Lord, that our natural way is to serve ourselves. Please, we ask, may we deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow the Lord Jesus, to live for Christ, to love Christ, for he is triumphed and he is glorious. Indeed, he is the King the King worthy of all praise and all service. And we ask in his name and for his sake. Amen.